This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. What is going on? How much? Uh, uh, did you buy a car? Okay, so I did go in and I just, you know, wanted to get some estimates. I did leave with my same car. Um, okay. I'm going to go back later in the week. We'll see what happens. But normally they do talk me into getting a car every single time I go in there. I am just going to take my time. There's no reason to go buy one right away. So I'm doing my homework. We'll just say that. Yeah, they're, they're pushy. Uh, when I bought my, I bought a new car last year. <clears throat> And the local dealership, the one that's closest to me, basically said, like, ah, there's no new cars, man. Like, they're just not out there. <laughs> I kind of believed him because he's just like, you know, the microchip shortage, all sorts of stuff. And as somebody who had to struggle with the PlayStation 5 a few years ago, I was like, okay, I understand that. That is why there's not a lot of PlayStation 5s out there. And then I was just like, well, I'm not going to buy a car today because he's trying to sell me this 30,000 mile car. So I leave because I want a new one. I was tired of beaters. Uh, exactly. Not that 30,000 miles is a beater, but my car before that had 220,000 when I bought it. Uh, but then I called the one that was the next closest dealership. And I was like, because I saw a used car I liked. It had like 18,000. And I was like, by chance, do you have any new cars coming? He's like, yeah, we got like a whole <laughs> bunch coming. And I was like, oh, so that guy just lied to me. <laughs> so I want to get your opinion on this. This will connect to this first segment of the players I want to talk to talk about. But are you a lease or a buy kind of person if you get a brand new car? I, I think buy. I don't know. I, I I have bought one car in my life that was not. It did not have at least one hundred fifty thousand miles. It had two. <laughs> I I I was. I'm a lease girl because I get tired okay. of the car, and I know. Oh, I see. If you're a financial person and you're listening to this podcast, I totally understand why I need to buy the car versus lease it. But I things happen. I don't want anything to happen while I'm on the side of the road. Maybe the car breaks down. I just, I just plan on just paying for a car the rest of my life. Um, so I'm pretty easy to get to buy <laughs> or to lease a new car or, or get a new car every time I go in there. But I did leave with my same car, uh, mostly because I wanted to get back here. After you work a full day, going to a car dealership is um, Ooh, the terrible. least. No, I only went on the weekends. Oh, it's an absolute, I was dreading it all day today and I was only there for an hour and a half. And um, I was like, oh, I'll be back. Doing literally anything after a full day of work feels like such a chore. Like, I don't know. I go to the gym, uh, like, after work. 
few times a week, but uh, not to get too into that. But that stopped feeling like a chore just because it became so part of the daily routine, weekly routine. But man, even at the start of that, I was like, I got off work and I got to go. <laughs> I got to go climb the Stairmaster for 30 minutes. That's why I have groceries being delivered here. I'm not a grocery store person. I'm not. I just you oh, go I'm to work. so a grocery store person. I'm so going in. I just hate that there's always something like, can we substitute your pasta with a cucumber? It's like, no. Why? They do that to me every time. They and I, I have this setting on where it gets turned into if they can't find the one that I wanted, they'll give me like the most expensive one. And I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't want that. <laughs> um, so I just hate the grocery store. Uh, but but I do want to get back to to use vehicles and we're going to tie it into jonah williams all right um, <laughs> sorry jonah <laughs> don't mean this use camry <laughs> you know he's he's using he some miles on him um at, at the moment it really feels like jonah williams will be on this roster for the 2023 season anything could happen during the offseason workouts otas training camp but as of now they didn't find a trade partner and i think the bengals kind of felt that they had the leverage um, at the same time, they just couldn't find another another team to to get the deal done, or maybe the compensation wasn't that great. And for Jonah Williams, this is a huge year for Jonah. It's a contract year. I think a lot of people forget because I'm starting to get well. People are accepting the fact that Jonah might be on the roster, but then I also get the reaction of, "What if he fakes an injury and acts like he he can't play the rest of the season and he gets twelve million dollars? If he does that, then this might be his last year in the NFL." Because yeah, fake an injury. You, you you really can't even do that. But like even legitimate injuries, like this is something I, I read about before, but like Baker Mayfield's legitimate injury, his team hated that he didn't play in the last couple of games. And they were out of the playoffs, but they were just like he could have played and just turned on him. And I feel like that was a big turning point for the career and basically because yeah. ended his career in Cleveland and then he's shipped off, bounced around. He got a shot in Carolina, but I mean it was but yeah, the <laughs> They stunk. <laughs> no other way around that. Um, so he's got another shot, I guess, in Tampa. But like he's bouncing around as the journeyman quarterback now. When before that injury and not playing through it at the end, and I guess playing badly at the start of the injury, um, it felt like he was about to be, you know, be made into at least an Andy Dalton, where he gets a big second deal. He's their long-term starter. He's, you know, he led them to their first playoff win in a billion years. Uh, I can imagine giving him money if I was the Browns until the very unfortunate year happened after that. So yeah, I, I do think it's just everybody's playing with something by week 12, week 13. Yeah. If you're going to get injured, and this is kind of a, a little bit of the deal with the Lamar thing. Um, some people thought he could have played. Some people didn't. No idea on that. But you do just hear NFL players talk about <clears throat> That guy could have played and, you know, I'm playing with this. Why can't, why isn't he just gunning it out and playing with whatever's going on with him? And uh, yeah, if Jonah Williams fakes an injury, that's, uh, well, doesn't he have to get medically, <laughs> first yeah, of all? I that's think of a medical. Thinking. And then secondly, if he doesn't play through anything, I feel like that it just rubs NFL players the wrong way. Yeah, I, 
I agree. I mean, even if he, I know he's coming off of surgery and everything like that and staying healthy is extremely huge for, for Jonah Williams. But at the end of the day, it's a huge year for Jonah. Um, you know, more than likely his last year in Cincinnati, if he is on this roster in 2023 and they don't find a trade partner. But other than that, you're going to want to go out there and show people like, look, I'm a legit offensive lineman. A lot of NFL teams need offensive linemen out there. And at the same time, uh, you know, the topic of conversation, if you talk about a weak link, weak link on this offensive line, you could say right tackle right now. I know I've talked plenty about Cordell Bolson and I'm, I'm hoping that he's even better in year two um, because that was his rookie year. But at the same time, not a lot of teams have that strong right tackle or, um, you know, it's it's if, if they can just be average. Um, I think this offensive line will, will be just fine. But at the same time, if Jonah Williams can go, I have all the faith in the world that Jonah Williams can can be a legit right tap. I shouldn't even say legit uh, enough out there to, to fill that void. Um, but I just I think I think we have to come to terms to kind of accept that he will. I feel like he'll be on the roster next year. Yeah. Uh, what I think is funny is that everybody fought on Twitter for about three months about Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams. And now they're both the week one starters. It's like, you know, bad mouthing, uh, <laughs> like you're actually get back together with them. You're just kind of like, I didn't mean all that, you know, <laughs> we're good. We're good. We, we talk to each other. We're all good now. Uh, <laughs> it was a misunderstanding. I just, you know, I just read PFF grades or I just looked at a contract value. It's whatever. Yeah. There might be some tweets that are being deleted. Um, I, I uh, if I never deleted <laughs> some of the ones that I sent, um, people probably haven't deleted theirs. But uh, yeah, that that was. I was thinking of firing off that as a tweet, might later, but just like uh, I can't believe all that fighting because I was always on the side of they're both fine to yep. good, like keep them. Um, but everybody, it turned into it was civil war. It was worse than the Jamar Chase Penny Sewell debates. I feel like. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I do not want to get back into it. I, I said it after the draft. I, if if Jonah Williams is on this roster, if Joe Mixon is on this roster, I hope they ball out. I hope Jonah Williams goes and gets paid by another team next year. Joe Mixon, I hope you know he shows a lot of doubters. Hey, I still can get it done. And you have Chase Brown over there to make a good RB one, RB two with the run game. Um, if they're on this roster, I hope they succeed. And just as human beings. Um, in the NFL. I hope they have have a great season. But, you know, there is a topic of conversation, too, because Jackson Carmen, which is just wild to think about if someone had said, you know what, Jackson Carmen could be in that right tackle mix, uh, could be starting on the offensive line. You told me that six or seven months ago. I don't know if I would have believed you, but it seems like, and I, I know we're kind of in the storylines of everybody's fit, they're ready to go, they're in football shape. Um, but it seems you know, it's, a, it's just what we're going to hear. I mean, we're just getting started. Wait till they get to training camp. Then we're really going to hear that they are just football. They're in football shape. Um, but it seems like Zach Taylor has mentioned it. Jonah Williams um, or, or jo uh, Jackson Carmen will be, um, you know, competing for that right tackle position, too. So what, what do you think about that right now? Sure. Right tackle is such a question mark because even though I think Jonah is your average left tackle, he hasn't played right tackle since I was in high school, I think. Um, so eight, nine years ago. Yeah, it's it's been a while. <laughs> He's been in the NFL and he only did it as a freshman, I believe, at Alabama. And uh, he played there two more years. So a long time. Um, I don't, I don't think you can cleanly say, yeah, he should be fine. 
what I've always compared it to is kind of like in baseball, you have switch hitters and guys that can bat from both sides. They might be better on one side than the other, but uh, some guys just have the ability to just flip over and be almost as good on the other side, or at least not face a huge detriment to their play. I don't know if that's going to be anybody because when we saw Jackson Carmen at right guard, he was terrible, but he was fine at left tackle in the playoffs. Jonah has been fine at left tackle his whole career. Can either one of them switch and be just as good on the right side? Can Cody Ford be the right tackle that they're looking for? Uh, He hasn't been before, but he's probably in the mix. And I just don't see Lowell Collins in the mix, at least early on. The reports of tearing all three ligaments in his knee and he has the back thing. I mean, he's just, he's been through it. Uh, I'd rather see him get fully healthy and then maybe then he competes or maybe none of these guys have won the job. That is also a little bit of a disaster scenario though, where it's like Jonah's week one, two, and three, but he's been so bad. They just flipped to Carmen, but then Carmen's not good. So they go to Ford and week six and seven. And you're just like, please Collins get back in. He's not playing well. Hopefully one of those three play well enough that you're not r- trying to rush Collins back. I think would be what I'm going for. So there's, there's a lot of question marks at right tackle, but, to me, I think it will be Jonah Williams. I don't feel 100% on that or even 90. Uh, call it a 75% confidence in Jonah Williams taking that right tackle job. The other 20% goes to Carmen and then probably 5% for Cody Ford winning that battle. Um, I think it is a legit battle, though. Uh, do you feel like Jackson Carmen has a better shot at stealing the right tackle job or Jordan Battle stealing one of the starting safety jobs? That is a fantastic question, and actually one that I was thinking about. I will say Jackson Carmen, just because it's open right now. We don't know what Jonah Williams is going to look like that at the NFL level. We don't know what Jonah looks like at, at right tackle, and things are still so up in the air and questionable because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Um, and, and I appreciate Zach Taylor just being private about those conversations. It's not out in the open. That stuff they handle behind the scenes, and that's totally fine. Uh, that makes perfect sense as a head coach to, to handle that. But I think for Jackson Carmen, I mean, this is not to say it's his like last shot, but you know. I, I saw this on social media and I, and I can't remember who tweeted it. And I think he brought up a really great point. Alex Kappa and Ted Karras are probably the best things that happened to Jackson Carmen. You bring those guys in on the offensive line and they're leaders. Um, you know, they're going to be with Jackson Carmen in the locker room still early on in his NFL career. And maybe he saw that last year um, when he did get those opportunities with the offensive line and just said, look, I need to change my ways. I need to change. I need to get mature with how I handle things, got to take care of my body. And I can be a legit part of this offensive line, seeing that opportunity at right tackle when they made the move for Orlando Brown to say, hey, I actually have a shot. I, I, I can do this. I have the confidence to be at the right tackle position. So I would say Jackson Carmen, but I for, for Jordan Battle, I wouldn't be surprised if he is out there. I just don't know the percentage of what it's going to look like with Jordan Battle out there at the safety position. What about you? Uh, I mean, I'm a Nick Scott truther. I think he's a good starting safety, so I don't see it. And I don't see them benching Dax Hill for him. I do think that is a scenario that we haven't discussed because it's, it's really pessimistic, Mm -hmm. but I mean, he didn't have a good rookie year and then they do see him every day. Maybe it hasn't gone well. 
and this is like the Dax needs more time and we're going to start battle in that other position. But that's like Doomer scenario. And I don't feel that feels like a 5%, maybe even less chance of being a real thing to me. Um, I think his real shot is stealing Nick Scott's spot just because they know he's the future. Scott is whatever. If they play at the, at the same level, maybe they roll with battle just to get him the game experience and get him rolling early on. But for me, I think Carmen has a better shot of taking the right tackle job than battle does one of the safety spots. I do think that there will be some three safety sets, but I also think that is almost a little bit like when people talk about like that running back isn't a running back. He's a weapon. He could be a slot receiver. Chris Evans talk. Uh, it's, it's a lot of theory and it's fun, but it's not usually what, ha- who are you taking off the field? Are you taking Mike Hilton off the field for him? Are you going to take um, mm-hmm. one of the linebackers? You paid Pratt and Wilson is really good. Are you going to p- take one of them off the field for Jordan battle? Are you taking one of the defensive linemen off the field for Jordan battle? It's just like, that's where it becomes tricky. Like the idea is so cool. It's like three safeties. Oh, he's going to mix and match and do all this other stuff. But uh, in practice, like five snaps a game something like that remember we did an off-season podcast and i brought up this scenario it was before free agency and i said could you imagine say von bell's gone say jesse bates is gone and this was before they signed nick scott like tyson anderson's getting the start now they have all the safeties in the world uh, that was a crazy week you weren't the right. only one everybody was bringing up his ras score how it was green green is good <laughs> it's like this guy hasn't played a snap. <laughs> like, no, I don't even know if he's going to make the roster for Tyson Anderson. Um, that is but a good point. Him and uh, Thomas, kind of an underrated battle there for that last, uh, maybe last safety spot. Maybe they just keep both. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that is a little, I, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat, but I would say that there's an outside chance that uh, they end up just rolling with the other four. Yeah, and it's a good problem to have. Um, I'd, I'd love to have all the depth in the world when it comes to the secondary, but I do want to talk a little Joe Mixon and topic of conversation. We'll get right to the tight end position next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We talked about Jonah Williams. Now it's time to get to Joe Mixon. Um, I've mentioned Zach Taylor hearing his post-draft press conference. It really felt encouraging that Joe Mixon will be back next year. We don't know if they've confirmed that the contract's going to change, um, if they've you know, had that discussion. I know it's been brought up, reports from Paul Daner at The Athletic, that they've um, went to Joe Mixon in the offseason and just said, hey, maybe there's a little restructure here when it comes to the contract. Um, who knows what is happening there, but for Joe Mixon, it really feels like a 90% chance, I would say, that he's going to be on the roster in 2023. What do you think about that? Yeah, somewhere around there. They didn't put the premium pick into the position. Um, running back still going higher than people predict. I think that is one big takeaway from the draft. I'm, I haven't listened to a lot of NFL shows because I'm I'm doing my final articles and checking out a little bit. <laughs> it's like, it's been a long year. I need the break. Um, not from this pod, but just from, you know, uh, consuming everything. But yeah. that's, I think the biggest story to me was Bijan went about as high as you predicted that he could go. And then Jameer Gibbs goes higher than you predict. He could go. Zach Charbonnet goes as high as you think he could go. A uh, guy I thought was a fourth round grade. Kendra Miller goes in the third round. It's like, these guys were drafted pretty highly. 
And uh, when did they take the Von A-Chain, the Dolphins? They love that speed. I think that was in the third round. So, like, all these guys were going earlier than you think. And that hurt the Bengals a little bit, who I think wanted to look in the third round, maybe the fourth round for their guy. And they got a good one in the fifth round. I, I like that pick. But um, when you don't spend a day one or day two pick on a running back, I don't think you're going to move on from Joe Mixon. And I actually didn't even think they're going to move on from if they got, like, Charbonnet at 60. I thought that was still they're going to try to mix and match and let them both be in the offense this year, and then you move on. Now, it actually almost feels more like Joe Mixon is a part. I think there might be a higher chance that Joe Mixon is on the team next year than he is cut this year. Oh. I I mean, I don't think it's a – I don't think either one's that likely. But if you had to, like, they didn't, they went for Chase Brown, who I think they see as the change of pace guy, a guy that can hopefully grow into the pass protection role that I'm guessing Travion Williams has, which I was a doubter of all offseason. Um, but eh, they trust him, they trust him. Um, they just haven't shown that trust before. Yeah, I just like, they keep talking about him as if he is the featured runner. Like we need guys that compliment him that, you know, work well with him, et cetera, et cetera. Now he's getting older and I don't think he gets extended or anything, but I mean, he mentioned he wanted to be a Bengal his whole career. Do they just throw a cheap two year deal at him and he takes it like that is not impossible. He He's probably not seeing that what, $16 million cap hit next year. That has about a 0% chance of happening unless he wins Offensive Player of the Year. Um, well, still don't see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> still no. <laughs> like, Burrow goes down for a few games and he runs for 2,000 yards or something. Maybe that's how they keep it. But uh, even then, you're probably like, that's eh, not good use of resources. Um, but, you know, like, you let that go and then you just say, like, we'd still like to keep you around. We think you're a good runner. And they give him... Two years, 10 million, something around that range. Two years, 12 million. I can see that happening. Like, I don't think that's impossible. I don't know. What do you think? Or am I just galaxy brain over here? Uh, I think this is probably the last year, to be okay. completely honest with you. But let me ask you this, because, I mean, goodness, we've talked every topic possible when it comes to Joe Mixon, even during regular season when a lot of people were down on him. Um, you know, we mentioned could be playing with an injury little bit wasn't fully healthy but mm -hmm. do you think because you can tell me if i'm wrong I, I know that we get we hear offensive line offensive line maybe that's why he doesn't have his numbers weren't that great but like joe mixon had one of his best seasons when the offensive line was terrible um with the cincinnati Bengals. so i don't really even point to the offensive line for any of mix for most of mixon struggles at least i shouldn't say any because that's going to be a concern for me personally do you have faith that he can be okay, like the old Mixon? Hmm. Old Mixon is hard because I thought Mixon in 2021 was probably about a top five running back. Mm -hmm. That's Mixon fair. Mixon wasn't really close to that this year, even when he did get healthy. But do I think he'll be okay? I think he'll be okay. But, and maybe this is, a lot of talk about I've always been high on him on the field. I think he's a good player. Maybe this is just, you know, me coming up with excuses. I thought the injury was real in the first four weeks. He kept, he left all four of the first four games for that ankle injury. 
Also, do you remember how bad the offensive line was to start this season? Because we were having that talk every week about like, I remember the Frank Pollock needs fired talk. I remember when is this offensive line going to gel talk? And finally it, it hits and they're playing at a pretty good level. But I remember early on, like nobody was happy with the offensive line, whether that is Burrow taking nine sacks in the first two weeks or the run game just not getting going. So I think that played an issue. He got injured, sat out some games. I think he could be good still, um, maybe in that our running back, you know, like the fringe top 12 type, you know, upper third of the league. I don't know if I could see the, the fifth or so best running back anymore. He still has a lot of value when he plays well and plays healthy. And we saw that at times last year. And with this offensive line more gelled together and knowing what they're doing, I could see this working out. All right. So we got Joe Mixon. Chase Brown, when you think of them and you've had time to watch more Chase Brown, what do you think about this as RB1, RB2? And, and they're more than likely going to have Dravion Williams as their their third down back. Or not third down back, but their third back. Yeah, uh, I do think Chase Brown could win that role. Um, I like Chase Brown. To me, he is change of pace-like. Uh, I don't think you could make him the workhorse, really. Uh, which is fine. And if you want a, a full-on committee, I think he fits into that too. He doesn't have to just be 20, 20 snaps a game or something like that. Um, you could 35 or whatever. I don't know how many snaps the offense had the particular game I'm theorizing about. But uh, I see him more as a guy that is like the B to somebody's A. There's a few reasons for that, mostly in my mind. The first one that comes to mind is just the uh, – the workload he's had. He's had a huge workload. If you want him to last, then you're probably going to want to limit his touches a little bit. The more hits you take, the more likely you are to get injured and uh, wear wear and tear uh, just on the body. But also, I don't, I don't think he's really a guy that does a fantastic job of He's flashed it, but he doesn't consistently run through contact, finish forward, and you know find those hidden yardage by running through defenders or making a lot of guys miss. He did a little bit of that. I see him more as a guy that likes to get the runway and off to the third level and out racing people. I think he's very fast. He's very explosive. He He's a guy that I see as someone you drop into the game when the offense just doesn't have that spark right now. And you're just like, we need that spark. So I'm going to toss in Chase Brown and try to get something out of it. Uh, a little bit, you know, like Tony Pollard and the Cowboys, not comparing him to Tony Pollard, but just the idea of they go to Pollard when, you know, they need the spark. They need, they don't want the grinder right now. They want the guy that can create something out of nothing, somebody that can create the explosive play. So that's what I see Chase Brown's role. I think he could develop into the full-time receiving back. Uh, that would take better technique as a pass protector. And this goes against what I guess Todd McShay and some people have said, um, which I, I think he's good for a college guy. I just don't think he could step in and be the passing down back this year. Almost only like Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson could do that coming out of this class or Hunter Lupke who's a fullback. So I think uh, he does a really good job of knowing where he's going, knowing who to pick up, getting there in time, getting there, you know, looking good, everything before blocking, 
He does a great job. It's just the actual blocking. He'll go head down and lean sometimes. He won't sit down and kind of shoot his arms. He'll use his shoulder at times uh, and just gets beat doing that. And when he does try to sit back, sometimes he'll just get railroaded. Uh, but I don't think it's a size issue because he's, what, 210 pounds. I don't think it's, you know, something he can't do ever. I just think right now it's a risky proposition without him becoming a much better technician uh, as a pass protector. But where I see it is he's probably a long-term running back too, uh, not the guy. If they do move on from Mixon, which you definitely think is happening, and I think is probably happening. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't be so. I, I mean, I, really, <laughs> I, do, I do probably happening. I just yeah. I don't see him getting cut. Not I, this year. Nope, I don't see it happening this year. Um, I would be pretty surprised. I guess yeah, still I, not shocked, but pretty surprised. Uh, so. I think they find a guy, and this will make a lot of people upset that running backs don't matter. Just let Chase down, take the role. I think they're going to go for a guy next year. I think they are going to pull the trigger on uh, somebody who can either be the lead horse or at least get like a 50-50 split with Brown, I think is what they're looking for. I don't think they're going to treat Chase Brown like he was treated at Illinois. And it's more so to do with his wear and tear, age, and everything like that, but also a little bit with the skill set. I do want to say this, um, just so Bengals fans know if, if you're watching or you're listening to this, I do think Joe Mixon is going to be on the roster this year. I just don't see it the following year. Um, and it just feels like it after draft weekend when it comes to replacements and and, and uh, Chase Brown coming in late in the draft that they're going to stick with Mixon. And that's totally fine. I hope, I hope Joe breaks all the records in the world. Um, and he has the great season. They're going to need that from their run game. It would be nice to balance that out. Um, but with Chase Brown, and, and I know we've already had our podcast where we went through all the picks, but I do want to bring this up with him because I was listening to the running back coach and he was talking about after they drafted Chase Brown that, you know, you, you can't fix your height in, when you're an NFL player, but you can fix, you know, a fumbling problem, which yeah. that was a concern with Chase Brown. That would be Does, another issue with him being the lead horse right now is just fumbling and how much better does he get because he is older is another question, but continue. Sorry. Does that, does that, do you feel like that's pretty fixable? Cause that does scare me a little bit. Yeah. I think you can always get better at something like that. I don't think that is um, an unfixable trait by any measure. I, you know, it's something that a lot of running back coaches preach and talk about. It's one of the main things they talk about is, you know, you fumble the ball and, you know, basically running the ball is supposed to be the safe option. Passing the ball, you could throw interceptions. Anything could happen down the field. The old school mentality, running the ball, nothing bad should happen. Um, if you're having bad things happen, you're going to get the ball less. Uh, it's just uh, I haven't looked hard enough at all of the fumbles, you know, because sometimes it's just a guy sneaks up behind you and just gets you from behind. But if it's, you know, guys raking at the ball, he has one arm on it, he's doing a little bit of the LaShawn McCoy stuff, Um then maybe that is very fixable. But if it's just like he's just, I don't know, the the forearm <laughs> bicep strength might not fully be there. Maybe that's a little bit less fixable, but still fixable. Uh, it's not something that's impossible. In no way, anything he does to cause these fumbles is that an impossible situation to fix. It does depend. Is this a technical thing? Is this a strength thing? Is this just an awareness thing? And I think all of those will uh, be something that the running back coach is going to look at and 
I think he is right that it is a fixable issue. You know, speaking of fumbles, it reminds me of, I'm not sure if you remember, when the Bengals picked up Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, he never fumbled in his NFL career. I guess and Chargers. Then, and then he came here and he fumbled. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was it Kareem Hunt never fumbled at Toledo, and then his first NFL game he fumbled? Yeah. yeah a lot of those are wacky. It's they just, are. So is you know just random chance. Joe Mixon's not a fumbler, but I mean he's had a, a game that he's Chargers fumbled before. Game, remember? Yep, Chargers game. Both running backs were fumbling the heck out of that ball. <laughs> but Eckler have three. <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, it's just something that will happen. You'll never get to zero, uh, but you want to limit it as much as you can. Mixon, that is probably one of his best traits is not fumbling yeah. the ball and ball security. So what better guy to have in the room to help him learn how to do that? Trivion Williams, he fumbled a lot in the, his only start, or he was the second back in that Dallas game. I think Geo fumbled, then he fumbled twice, and by the end of it, they were just <laughs> just had anybody <laughs> out there. Um, so... You know, it is something that gets better, hopefully, and uh, it is definitely correctable. Does it get corrected is a different question than if something is correctable. Yeah, I, I hope we just see which, with Chase Brown that explosive play with the run mm -hmm. game. It would just be nice to see. And and maybe, you know, Joe Mixon is feeling better going into the season. We'll see what the run game looks like. But I would. I would just like a balanced offense. And I don't believe in it. I know there is a theory out there, and I feel like it's false. And, and we've talked about it, that it's Zach Taylor doesn't want to run the ball. Um, I mean, I feel like you want to have a run game. It's got um, Joe Burrow is the first thing. Yes, yeah, that's, like, that's Why true. is he throwing the ball 60% of the time? Because well, he's throwing it less than 60% of the time. I mean, there would be real questions about <laughs> why yeah. are you not – having the ball in your best player's hands or throwing it to your best player, whoever you think is the best player, like that should be most of the offense, but running the ball is still important to them. I think that is clear. Like you were saying. I think that the 49ers game haunts Zach Taylor's dreams. Uh, <laughs> when they, Joe was cooking in the fourth quarter and they decided to run the ball in overtime. Um, that didn't work. I, I can't remember the play, but they didn't, they took the ball out of Joe's hands. When it was, was uh, wasn't it third I think they started running the ball. It was second and like three. I think they ran it and then it was third and one. They ran it and they didn't pick it up and then they kicked the field goal. It was something like that. Yep. Yep. But he, he admitted it afterwards. Uh, but yeah, hopefully Chase, Brown's bring, Chase Brown brings a lot to this offense. We got Jonah Williams out of the way. We got Joel Mixon out of the way. Both will more than likely be on this roster in 2023. And if the Bengals even decide to get rid of them tonight, um, I will be so annoyed because we just did two segments on them. But we'll move on to the tight end room because that's still a topic of conversation after the draft next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, sticking with the offense right now. The Cincinnati Bengals front office, Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, they pretty much told us how they felt about the tight end room before the draft. If you look at the last two seasons, they had C.J. Uzama before, then they get Hayden Hurst. They're okay with kind of average play at the tight end position. They 
addressed it late in free agency. Uh, you, you bring in Irv Smith if he can stay healthy. We don't know what that's going to look like with this offense, but they did get a free agent tight end to be determined if Mitchell Wilcox comes back. Drew Samples back. Sorry, I know a lot of Bengals fans have PTSD when you bring up his name, but they just feel okay with their tight end position and they don't utilize it or value it as much as social media does. Um, but that seems to be critical for a lot of people. How do you feel about the tight end position on the Cincinnati Bengals right now? I thought tight end and running back were a little bit overrated in this class. It was my first issue. There were guys I was willing to take where they fell. Um, I think uh, wasn't wasn't Tucker Craft available with their third round pick? That was one I, I would have pulled the trigger on if I really wanted a tight end. But when I'm, I mean, when you look at it, it's it's a lot of I didn't see some of these guys where they were going, or and maybe that's how the Bengals felt because they have. I think they are looking for a certain type um, and not everybody fit that. Also, that is a little bit about Darnell Washington, which is sad to me because I liked him a lot, but uh, I don't think they thought he fit, but also I heard a possible medical issue with him. But um, yeah, I think they still do have some value on the tight end position because they're not just rolling through sample Mitch Wilcox out there. Like they are still looking they were looking at Moreau. They were looking at Irv. They were looking at a lot of those guys. They probably would have brought Hurst back for a little bit cheaper deal than he got in Carolina. It's a little bit less valued than Bengals fans, I think, want to make it. Would they have gone Kincaid if he fell? I don't know. Because I, I do think they really like Murphy. They probably had some other guys that were in that mix. We'll never find out. But, um, yeah, it is, the tight end room isn't bad right now i think it's fine it's not good but how good does the tight end room have to be when you've got three stud receivers and a quarterback who's made the most out of that position his entire career yeah and and we don't know what i'm not going to put a lot in their basket because it's it's the rookie year of charlie jones um, but it, it's kind of crazy. Lewis Reddick, I, I put this out on social media and, you know, I like to see what NFL experts had to say about the Bengals draft and just different guys, because it feels like every expert or anybody breaking down the draft, they find a different player that they really loved out of the Bengals class. And he actually said, Charlie Jones, he feels like he's going to make the most impact and he, and he, he doesn't count first rounders, anybody, but the first round. And he picked Charlie Jones for the Cincinnati Bengals. He actually picked Cam Taylor Britt last year and um, felt like he was kind of on the money with that. We didn't really expect Cam Taylor Britt to start, but then everything with the injuries happened and, and he got a shot and I felt like he stepped up. I look forward to seeing what he does in year two, but with Charlie Jones on this offense, again, someone who we've talked about on the podcast, but you've probably had more time to go back and, and watch a little Charlie Jones. Do you think any differently about him? And is he just pretty much going to be wide receiver number four? No, I don't think too differently. <laughs> um, I think he's good. Like, but he's not going to start over Boyd, <laughs> just, I guess. No. And then, and they're not going to play ten personnel. So, I, at least, I, at least I don't see it happening. Again, much like I talked about with the three safety sets and the running back in the slot idea and all this other stuff, I feel like these are such you know they're ideas. I don't think they get done. This is an eleven personnel team. They're going to run eleven personnel eighty plus percent of the time. I don't think that 20% is going to go to 10. I think a lot of that's going to go to 12 personnel, which people 
probably won't love the idea of Smith and Sample uh, taking, uh, you know, snaps instead of Charlie Jones or whatever, but they're an 11 personnel that minors in 12 personnel a little bit when they want to really run the ball. Even when they go empty, I think that is something that just messes with people because it's called five wide. It's not five wide receivers. It's three wide receivers, a running back, and a tight end, like every time they're empty. It's, they, have, they have Joe Mixon or Samaj P. Ryan last year or what will be Chase Brown or Travion Williams run a hitch route or run a go route just to either occupy the flat defender or to, to make a defender run deep and open something up underneath. And then they, they do that a lot partially because Joe's really good at it, but also because it opens up three slot positions and you could have all three of your wide receivers in those slots and have a tight end outside and a running back outside. That's actually pretty common. Um, so that's a lot of the empty things is there's five guys and you're all five guys usually are not really thought of in the passing pattern. They're sometimes alerted. Like, Hey, if you see like a slow linebacker on chase Brown, for instance, maybe just peek and see like, are you getting a good toss here? Maybe you just throw that deep, but you're usually not reading all five receivers on any given play. It's usually like an alert one, two, three scramble or one, two, three check down, something like that. I, It's a little bit rare to have, they like to do split field as well. Like half the field is for single high, half the field is for two high. All that to say, I don't see the 10 personnel thing happening that often. I think they love 11 personnel. I don't think very much of the NFL uses 10 personnel. And even when they go empty, it's 11 personnel empty. Or sometimes it's the old Patriots 12 personnel empty. It's typically not 10 or 0 personnel empty. In fact, they did go 10 personnel against uh, the Patriots a couple plays. And it didn't work very well. So I, I don't think, I think it's just the idea and it does work really well on Madden because you get your best players and speed on the field. But I just think the actual football implications hasn't really worked itself out. And uh, I could be wrong. That is just how I see it is they are always pretty much always going to have at least one tight end on the field. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. Honestly, I hope Irv Smith is, we were talking about Irv Smith making a three year, 25 million at the end of the season, and maybe it's on another team. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy, but you know, look, there's still going to be there. There's going to be teams around the league that will be cutting on their roster. I wouldn't be surprised if the New York jets cut one of their tight ends. Well, if it's they Uzama, could. does he come back? Well, I don't think it's going to be Uzama. Oh, I think it's going to be another one of their tight ends. And 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 I, I think it makes it too obvious that it would be CJ Uzama, but I think it's going to be um, – I'm losing my train of thought who their, their other two tight ends that are on the roster. Conklin, right? Conklin. You think it would be Conklin? Could be Con- – it, it's whoever Aaron Rodgers doesn't want, honestly. <laughs> I <laughs> guess that's right. Want, he's bringing in Mercedes Lewis soon. I mean, he's like, we got to get rid of some of these yeah, tight ends. We got room. four or five. They have probably the league max, and they got another one in the seventh round. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a team or there's another team around the league where the Cincinnati Bengals look at that guy and they're like, oh, he'll be a fit. Um, nothing too crazy. They just don't – I just feel like they're very – they're okay with average yeah. at tight end. You have to, you know, 
you have to make sacrifices somewhere along the roster. And when you have three high quality wide receivers, a superstar quarterback, and you're spending a lot of money at running back, maybe you don't put the resources as well into the tight end position. You're actually spending quite a bit on your offensive line as well. I believe they're top 10 in cap spending for this year for their offensive line. So maybe you don't throw more resources and, you know, throw it at the tight end. It makes sense to me. I don't know how long, the one year go get paid model will work. Um, I'm hoping forever because <laughs> it is the most it's fun. It, yeah. is the most, it is the most fun way to do this, but I'm not sure how long that will actually work. Like eventually maybe they will whiff on one of these free agents. Hopefully not this year. Um, hopefully it's a year that maybe they've drafted a guy, but yeah, I always thought the tight end class was a little bit overrated. Same with the running backs. I thought there were a lot of role player running backs, and that's what they ended up getting. There were only like three guys, I thought, maybe two guys that could be workhorses. Um, and the tight ends, it felt like a lot of role players as well. Like there were the big, the big names, and they could be, you know, anything, Mayor, Kincaid, whoever. But once you got past the first four guys, I want to say, it turned into a lot of like, well, he could play a good role on this team or um, on a team. He could be the inline guy to somebody's receiving guy or the receiving guy to somebody's inline guy. But you didn't really have a lot of guys that you were like, well, that guy's going to get drafted. He's going to start and play 90% of snaps or something like that. I, I didn't see too much of that. I did see that with the corners and uh, luckily Bengals got one of the guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they would have liked and they probably uh, they would have offered a multi-year deal to Foster Morrell because yep. he was so young and an LSU guy. Joe Burrow's familiar with him. Jamar Chase familiar with him. And I think he would have fit perfectly in the tight end room of what they're kind of thinking. And they did. They wouldn't have had to do the one year deal. Um, but right now they have that with Herb Smith and they got him pretty cheap. So I do hope that works out for him just because I think everybody when they mention Herb Smith, it's a yeah, but. And it's mostly, can you stay healthy? Um, so, no, I, yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised. We're, we're at May 2nd right now. If they decide to add another vet tight end that, you know, gets cut from another team, um, you know, they might do that. but Or they might feel very content with what they have right now. And then they're going to roll out Irv Smith. And uh, I know a lot of people are scared, but Drew Sample. Uh, I still think they bring Mitch Wilcox back, too, on a very team-friendly deal. Yeah, Asi okay. in there right now, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep, so I think those are your four tight ends. Uh, I think Will Cox will be back. We'll see, though. And maybe they yeah. just roll with three. Uh, what I see also with the tight end room is when Hayden Hurst got hurt last year, they didn't really suffer that much. I think – and Hurst was pretty good for them. Mm -hmm. um, they suffered a lot when Boyd got hurt in the championship game, but – even like the game Hurst got hurt, it didn't feel like they were, you know, that was the Chiefs game and uh, they were pretty fine scoring points in that game, moving the ball. Yeah. So that's also something I think plays into this is even if Smith does get hurt, they went undefeated with Hurst hurt and starting Wilcox and Asiasi. I think they could be really good even if the tight end room is sample Wilcox, Asiasi, and Irv is injured or missing the game. I think they'll be at their best with Irv. I don't mean to diminish him, but I do think that this offense just rolls, even if the tight end is not average. Why 
does the Kansas City game, this is a regular season game I'm going to reference, but why is it the Kansas City Chiefs games that I always remember a touchdown that should have been? And do you remember Tyler Boyd? It kind of bounced off his shield of his right helmet. Off the, right off the helmet, yep. And he should have had that. Um, <laughs> he doesn't drop <laughs> passes. It's just, I don't know what happened. Like the, the, the guy that doesn't drop passes, it hits him in the head. Yep. Yep, yep, and that and that's what's crazy about that game because uh, I don't know. I felt like the Bengals should have won by by more than than a field goal, but that game is over. Uh, but yeah, so you get uh, you get your wide receivers. We already talked about Charlie Jones, Andre Yosibosh um, was another player being brought up this week. A lot of people are like, "What what's that going to look like for him? Is he going to make the? Is he going to be a practice squad guy? I, I don't see practice squad guy yeah. in his future." Because some team's going to snag him for potential, I think. Yeah, I I think they are going to protect him by keeping him on the roster, and then maybe he's a healthy scratch for a lot of the year. He could impress and just make the roster. Um, I don't think that's – and be active on game days. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I feel like this wide receiver room isn't too hard to predict right now. Um, really? Man, I just feel like it's going to be the big three. And then Charlie Jones, you're not going to cut your fourth-round pick. Uh, Trent Irwin, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to be the backup outside guy. We'll see. Jones could take that job and the backup slot guy, but I think he's going to be the backup outside guy. And then after him, it feels to me like Yosivos and Stanley Morgan. And I, I guess the big one that I'm leaving off there is Trent Taylor, but it really feels to me like Charlie Jones just took Trent Taylor's job. He's a return guy. He's a slot guy. He does everything that Taylor does. Does it make Taylor redundant? Can Taylor do something else on special teams to make it, you know, make it over Stanley Morgan? Taylor's probably almost definitely not going to add the blocking that Morgan can give you. So to me, I feel like that is the one. Now, Yosivos could be cut, I guess, but I just don't see it. Like, you spend the six-round pick on this guy. It sounds like they like him a lot. Super high potential with the size-speed combination. It's just he played at Princeton against nobodies, and you might have to teach him a few things about, you know, getting off the line, running better routes, uh, a lot of the technical stuff. I haven't really watched him, and it's going to be hard as heck to find Princeton film. Uh, I, I do know that he, thankfully tweeted out some of his all 22 coaches film so i will be grinding that two minute video and trying to find things and then probably also scouring the internet for even broadcast film of him um but yeah that is to me the wide receiver room do you disagree with any of that or okay because i saw people like questioning like well does this guy make is this guy not make it and to me i'm like this it, it almost just doesn't even feel like a question and i don't even know if you do cut trent taylor i don't know if he gets picked up like i feel like you'd be able to get him back on the practice squad yeah i agree with that 100 i feel like that's a very easy decision for the coaching staff to make I, I when i saw the practice squad for andre i was like well wait a minute who said this did i miss something that this i mean again he hasn't been to the facility they'll go to rookie minicamp next week but i just thought that was absolutely insane i think a team would steal him in a heartbeat uh the cincinnati Bengals met with him for two days they had a lot of interest in him and um he was there in the sixth so i feel like that was still kind of a steal for them 
uh, the potentials there. And, you know, maybe it's nothing for his rookie year, but he's going to be learning from some of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Troy Walters. Troy Walters can't understate, you know, that guy is an awesome coach. I feel, I felt like coming into the league, Jamar Chase, you know, there was a lot of technical stuff he lacked. And I mean, he was so much better his rookie year than he was at 19 years old at LSU. And he had the COVID year. He didn't play. Um, and T Higgins, I feel like has gotten a lot better with Walters in the building. So I don't want and Trent Irwin, obviously 100%. He's gotten a lot better. So like you think about all these wide receivers getting so much better at Troy Walters. I'm just glad he had that one offensive coordinator. Look sad for him. I think he has a bright future and should probably be one of the non-quarterback coaches that teams look at for offensive coordinator. I just feel like the work he's done is insane, but you can continue. I've always wanted to just sing the praises of Troy Walters because he has done a magnificent job in Cincinnati. I tweeted out earlier today. It's pretty unbelievable. Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, Troy Walters, um, Dan, Dan Pitcher, all uh, talented assistants going to be back next year. And it's absolutely huge when you look at this unit and the pieces that they're getting in the off season. So it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. We'll be working on some, uh, some guests will be joining us again on the podcast to talk everything NFL draft class. I'll look ahead to training camp for the Cincinnati Bengals because it's going to be here in a little over two months, which is absolutely crazy to think about. I know you're busy on all Bengals. What is up there right now? Right now, Miles Murphy article, and by the end of the week, I'll have a DJ Turner article up. I'm going to push myself to get that out by Friday. Should be good. Uh, and then that is just going to be the schedule for the next couple of weeks is then Monday next week will hopefully be a article on Jordan Battle. And then by the end of the week, that week will be one on Charlie Jones. And then I'll do one on Chase Brown, and we will see where I am with Yosivos and finding his film. And I'm probably not doing anything on the seventh round pick. Hopefully he makes the team. That's uh, where I am. And it's probably a lot of special teams. And I don't you know do what? special teams. For some reason in my head, I'm like, DJ Ivy is going to come out and make a play somewhere. Sometime at some point. Not because I'm injuries, in. Not because there's injuries. Because I want everybody to be healthy. Because if you're going to your seventh round pick when you have all that depth in your secondary, that's a little terrifying. But maybe he just steps in on special teams and he makes a huge play. Um, I don't know why he's been, he's been, uh, someone I've been thinking about the last couple of days. So like I said, uh, last time we recorded Jeffrey Gunter blocked a kick. Can yep. DJ Ivy make that level of special teams play in a game? Look, Darren Simmons is probably the happiest person after the draft because his unit needed some help. Oh, I um, forgot. Yeah. I'm not gonna do an article on Brad Robbins either. I don't think. Oh, that's too sad. Punters are people too. Maybe I should. Uh, I don't know. I think you should. Get I on think Twitter should. and uh, push me to do it. I'm going to do it as soon as we get done recording. I'm going to. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you, as always. Uh, great stuff on Jonah Williams. Talked a little Joe Mixon. We'll have plenty more to get to as the Cincinnati Bengals continue their offseason program at Pacor Stadium. You can follow along, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.